Hello, I'm Karen Filipkowski, and welcome to another episode of the Madawaska Valley Public Library's podcast, Old, New, Borrowed, Blue, where we bring you each month a little of everything from your local library. Today I'm joined by James DeFure, Julia Beggs, and Rob Filipkowski, who are all here to help us find our something old, new, borrowed, and blue. So let's get to it. Not too surprisingly, given this time of year, we're gearing up for Halloween. But that's not the only thing we're preoccupied with these days. As we told you last month, we're pretty serious about local history, and so we have another chapter from an excellent article that was published in the November 24, 1960 edition of the Old Barry's Bay Review. It recounts the true, if little-known, story of how the village of Barry's Bay first came into being. And though it was written by an anonymous author, no byline was given in the article. Its writer had a deep insight into our local history. We found out last month that the body of water on Lake Kaminiskeg that we know as Barry's Bay, the local Algonquin First Nation knew it as Kwanash Niashing, and that name hails from long before there were ever any white fur traders, lumberjacks, or European settlers in the area. This month we have even more curious facts that rise up above the fog of our local history. So let's join James DeFure as he reads from that old, authentic 1960 history of Barry's Bay. The first public dwelling around which the village of Barry's Bay arose was simply known as Drohan's Hotel, built in 1879. It would later become known as the Blueberry Hotel and then the Windsor Hotel. Yet, after 36 years, with the coming of the Ontario Temperance Act of 1915, Drohan's ceased to operate as a hotel. Instead, its four walls that once housed a very boisterous barroom became a much less boisterous restaurant and apartment complex. Today, in 1960, that same restaurant occupies the original log farmhouse once built by James Drohan. It remains one of those much-storied stopping places that goes a long way into creating that old legend, if not mythology, of our own highway into history known as the Apionga Road. Drohan's Library Stables were once located, Kitty Corner, on the very spot where the Bank of Montreal now stands. Indeed, the four corners of Barry's Bay, for as far as one could see back then, were all occupied by Jimmy Drohan's farmland. From 1879 onwards, his lone stopping place, along with all of those rare alcoholic stimulants that he once dispensed inside, was the main attraction for all manner of weary travelers who passed through Barry's Bay along the Opiongo Road. I sat in that restaurant the other day, which, in its halcyon days, was once the original barroom of the hotel. My imagination easily conjured up those roaring, lusty days and nights of long, long ago when lumbering on the Madawaska and Napiongo rivers was in full swing. I could almost hear the shouts of lumberjacks as they topped the last rise somewhere beneath what would eventually become Yakabuski's old hardware store across the street from St. Lawrence O'Toole's. I could almost hear the crack of the Teamsters' whips urging their horses to make a good showing on the finish line at the four corners of Barry's Bay. They would be welcomed there with lashings of food and a special kind of drink, the strong kind, known far and wide as high wines. Nothing to do with the fermented grapes, but rather a rough-and-ready concoction of distilled spirits, akin to a very potent brandy, rum, or whiskey. Bedlam would let loose when that cavalcade arrived in Drohan's livery yard. The clanking chains, the snorting of overtaxed horses, the winnowing for oats and hay, the stamping of feet, 
the hilarity and the boisterousness of young and strong men who anticipated some short relaxation before attempting the long pull up Kitts Hill and the exhausting climb to that last stopping place at Bark Lake. Those roadside inns continued to flourish, while the Opiongo Road remained one of the few ways to travel into the great pinelands of the Madawaska and Opiongo Rivers. Prior to the coming of the railway, Teamsters, with their cadge sleighs full of supplies and men, continued to flow like wagon trains in an unbroken procession of winter sledges over the decades. Rough-and-ready stagecoaches, too, brought their quota of settlers, though impoverished immigrants came only by foot. Thus, day by day, year by year, Drohan's Hotel became the epicenter, the ever-expanding hub of the present-day village of Barry's Bay as, indeed, one shrewd-eyed professional had already suggested decades before there even was a Drohan's Hotel. In fact, in his June 23, 1864 report, A.J. Forrest, the land surveyor who originally laid out the townships that surrounded Drohan's Hotel, wrote for the benefit of the colonial government. I would recommend the head of Barry's Bay as an eligible site for a town plot because it can be approached by the main Opiongo Road and it is well toward the center of the township. It also has the advantage of water communication with the country on the south side of the Madawaska River. That same year, 1864, James Murray arrived in the area and began homesteading about two and a half miles from what would become Drohan's Hotel. He settled in the hills along the Siberia Road near his uncle, Oliver Greenan. Mr. Murray was relocating from Madawaska, where he and his siblings and widowed mother had resided for a very short time. Mr. Murray, who hails from County Monaghan, Ireland, had come to Canada in 1855 and had lived in Seely's Bay, Nepean, and Brudenell before journeying to the western terminus of the Opiongo Line, where his family had tried to farm at a curious pace called Bully's Acres near Madawaska. But displeased by what he called the whiskey brawls of puffed-up bushwhackers fighting over their brawn and muscle, James Murray, who was a quiet man, decided to sell his grub steak at Bully's Acres for a single chest of tea. Quickly and happily, he departed for the peace and quiet of the Siberian hills near Barry's Bay. Lumbering operations had long been in progress in and around Barry's Bay, even before Mr. Forrest's 1864 land survey. Indeed, sometime in the 1840s, a timber cruiser for the McLaughlin Lumber Company of Arnprior had constructed a small cabin near what would become Drohan's Hotel. Intended as a depot for McLaughlin's timber operations, that log shanty was erected near the present-day home of Mark Billings. What we also know now as Masks Island was first owned and occupied during those earlier times by a Welshman named Williams, and so, understandably, it became known as Welshman's Island. Eventually, Williams sold to Mr. Acton, and afterwards relocated further west to where Murray Brothers Company Limited's sawmill now stands near Madawaska. Meanwhile, Mr. Acton soon sold his island to William and his son Frank Dunn of Bark Lake. But that very arable gem of Masks Island again soon found itself sold and successively owned by Josh Billings, Albert White, and ultimately by Paul Mask, who bought it in lock, stock, and barrel in 1917. It has been known as Mask Island ever since. It should be noted that Josh Billings, with the inimitable George Turner as his foreman, constructed the first swinging bridge, the first solid means of connecting the island to the mainland. That bridge, however, had its drawbacks, as Mr. Mask and his family could well testify. After struggling with it for many years, that swinging bridge was replaced by Mr. Mask, who succeeded in constructing a stone and gravel causeway with a shorter connecting bridge. 
As well, in the 1860s, well before Jimmy Drohan established his stopping place at Barry's Bay, Thomas Cuthbertson had established a stopping place in Stagecoach Depot six miles west of Barry's Bay at the Bark Lake Settlement, which was then the most westerly terminus of the Apianco Road. Eventually, Josh Billings bought Cuthbertson's stopping place, where he also operated a racetrack at Bark Lake. Eventually, Mr. Billings decided to move the stagecoach business closer to Barry's Bay, and so set it up three miles west of town near Kitts Hill, known now as Mintha's Hill. James Sullivan was already there, having established his own stopping place next to William Billy Martin's farm. It was thus to Billy Martin's farmhouse that Josh Billings moved his stagecoach business, and it was also at Billy Martin's farmhouse that Josh Billings set up the first Barry's Bay post office. In 1878, to no one's surprise, Billy Martin became Barry's Bay's first postmaster. By 1894, after the OA and PS Railway arrived in Barry's Bay, Billy Martin's post office was initially relocated to a house built by William Kerwin along the main street of Barry's Bay. At about the same time, Josh Billings finally built his own hotel, the Balmoral, which he would later enlarge. When he did so, the Barry's Bay's post office was then relocated once again, but this time to the Balmoral Hotel. Then, in 1936, the federal government built a standalone post office along the Apiango Line in downtown Barry's Bay. It still stands there today, built beside where Jimmy Drohan once had his hotel library stables. That was James DeFiore reading from a November 24, 1960 edition of the Old Barry's Bay Review, a local newspaper published in the 1950s and 60s by Art Ritza here in Barry's Bay. Next up, we have Julia Beggs with her usual highlights of all the new books and events that will be gracing our shelves or hosted here in town by the library. Take it away, Julia. This month, the library has harvested a bumper crop of new books for children, youth, and adults. In fact, way too many to list in this short podcast, so drop by and check out our new book displays or go online and check out our online catalog to see a full list of what's new. You never know why I might jump off the page and grab your interest, especially during these spooky days leading up to Halloween. A special note is a beautiful picture book by Amanda Gorman that has nothing to do with the Halloween, but instead is entitled Change Sings, a Children's Anthem. It's about a young girl who leads a cast of characters on a musical journey, where they learn that they do indeed have the power to make changes, big or small, in the world, in their communities, and most importantly, in themselves. And if Amanda Gorman sounds familiar, she's the aspiring young American poet and activist who wrote and performed The Hill We Climb at the U.S. President Joe Biden's inauguration earlier this year. She is also the first person to be named National Youth Poet Laureate. And speaking of new things at the library, we'd like to draw your attention to three events that the library will be hosting in the coming weeks. Following the success of last year's Halloween walk, the Madawaska Valley Public Library and the Barry's Bay BIA are once again joining forces for another one of those fun Halloween walks. It's happening Saturday, October 30th from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. It's a great family event. Simply drop by the library or the credit union on the day of the event and pick up a map and a set of Halloween hunt clues at one of our two event tents set up at either of those locations. Then, using your map to navigate around Barry's Bay, you have to find and answer all of the Halloween walk clues that can be found at each participating business. It's an outdoor event, so you do not need to enter a business to participate. But when you've collected your clues, you simply return to one of the two outdoor event tents with your completed Halloween hunt map and pick up a treat bag. You are also entered for a draw for a bigger prize if you've solved all the clues. Make sure you wear your Halloween costumes. You don't need to register, just show up in your costume. Finally, at 7 p.m. Tuesday, November 9th, the library will host at the Paul J. Yakubuski Community Center a very interesting event called Nights in the Classroom. It involves a very, very curious trope of knights 
who will demonstrate a lively session of fencing complete with period costumes. Be sure to register for this event by contacting the library. And it might help if you know how to yell out on guard. Julia's not just interested in anything new that happens here at the library, though she does keep a pretty sharp eye out for new books and services here at 19474 Opiongo Line in Barry's Bay. But Julia also keeps an eagle eye out for those much sought after books and services that are continually borrowed here from the library. Here she is again with her report on some of those things that top our monthly list of things borrowed from the library. This month, the Madawaska Valley Public Library is seeing a run on books being borrowed that all have a common theme. Anything to do with ghosts, goblins, and things that go bump in the night. For instance, there are those favorite Halloween books for children, including these three classic picture books. Number one, Scaredy Squirrel Prepares for Halloween. Number two, Pumpkin Jack. And number three, Click Clack Boo, a tricky treat. Even the head librarian borrowed the last one. It's so good. We also have two children's chapter books topping the list and that are always fan favorites and always flying out the door. One is called Catzilla, and the second one is written by Robert Munch. It's a scary book simply entitled Boo. If you're looking for ideas of things to do, the library also has a great collection of how-to books dealing with Halloween crafts, cooking, costumes, and face painting. Of particular interest, and again, topping our most borrowed list this time of year, we have four titles of special interest. Frightfully Fun Halloween Crafts and Cooking, Cute and Easy Costumes for Kids, and Face Painting from Cowboys to Clowns. And if you want to make Halloween extra scary, check out our Extreme Halloween, the ultimate guide to making Halloween scary again. For avid readers not so much interested in Halloween, but who might be a tad frustrated because they think they have exhausted every single book series written by their favorite author, we have something very special for anyone who wants to borrow their next book. Simply take a look in the e-resource section of our website and you'll find a link to a database, which can easily be searched by title, author, or series. It's a terrific tool to find every book ever published by your favorite prolific authors, such as James Patterson. It's simple. Log on from home and then do an author search. You'll find the names of each and every book and the author's titles in order of publication, including each and every book series they might have penned. Best of all, should you have read all 158 books published by James Patterson and perhaps are looking for a similar author, our e-resource Finding Abe will reveal a series of similar authors' names that appears on the right of the screen. You can click on those names and find titles and descriptions of each of their works. So, have at it this month at the Madawaska Valley Library. It's full of books to borrow and lots of digital services to help you figure out what you might like to borrow next. That was Julia Beggs reporting on what's flying off the shelves here at the Madawaska Valley Public Library. And we're not talking books that some ghost or goblin wants to borrow because Halloween's just around the corner. Though, don't be too surprised when you drop in to see us here in Barry's Bay if you see a few cobwebs or hear a few creaking doors. There may be a few decorations and things we've put up that are appropriate for the spirit, if not the spirits, of the season. Still, our bread and butter has always been the books we cherish, especially those classic fairy tales that children love to read or have read to them by their parents and grandparents. And there are no better fairy tales available than those collected by Andrew Lang back in the 19th century. Mr. Lang published 25 different fairy tale books in his very colorful series, collecting them from around the world and from countless cultures. But we still love his first book, published in 1889 and simply called his Blue Fairy Tale Book. Here is Rob Filipkowski reading one of our favorite stories from that old Blue Fairy Tale Book, Little Red Riding Hood. 
Just a word of caution, however, it's the original 17th century tale and so doesn't have the happy ending that many people know, though Mr. Lang's ending does seem more appropriate for those scary days leading up to Halloween. Once upon a time, there lived in a certain little village a certain little country girl, the prettiest creature that ever was seen. Her mother was excessively fond of her, and her grandmother doted on her still more. This good woman had made for her a little red riding hood, which became the girl so extremely well that everybody called her Little Red Riding Hood. One day her mother, having made some custards, said to her, Go, my dear, and see how thy grandmamma does, for I hear she has been very ill. Carry her a custard and this little pot of butter. Little Red Riding Hood set out immediately to go to her grandmother, who lived in another village. As she was going through the wood, she met with Gaffer Wolf, who had a very great mind to eat her up, but he dared not because of some woodcutters hard by in the forest. He asked her whither she was going. The poor child, who did not know that it was dangerous to stay and hear a wolf talk, said to him, I am going to see my grandmama, and carry her a custard and a little pot of butter for my mamma. Does she live far off? said the wolf. Oh, I answered Little Red Riding Hood. It is beyond that mill you see there, at the first house in the village. Well, said Gaffer Wolf, I'll go and see her too. I'll go this way, and you go that, and we shall see who will be there soonest. The wolf began to run as fast as he could, taking the nearest way, and the little girl went by that farthest about, diverting herself in gathering nuts, running after butterflies, and making nosegays of such little flowers as she met with. The wolf was not long before he got to the old woman's house. He knocked at the door. Who's there? Your grandchild, Little Red Riding Hood, replied the wolf, counterfeiting her voice. Who has brought you a custard and a little pot of butter sent you by Mama? The good grandmother, who was in bed because she was somewhat ill, cried out, Pull the bobbin and the latch will go up. The wolf pulled the bobbin, and the door opened, and then presently he fell upon the good woman and ate her up in a moment, for it was above three days that he had not touched a bit. He then shut the door and went into the grandmother's bed, expecting Little Red Riding Hood, who came some time afterward and knocked at the door. Who's, who, who's there? Little Red Riding Hood, hearing the big voice of the wolf, was at first afraid. But believing her grandmother had got a cold and was hoarse, answered, "'Tis your grandchild, Little Red Riding Hood, who has brought you a custard and a little pot of butter Mama sends you." The wolf cried out to her, softening his voice as much as he could, "'Pull the bobbin, and the latch will go up.' Little Red Riding Hood pulled the bobbin, and the door opened. The wolf, seeing her come in, said to her, hiding himself under the bedclothes. Put the custard in the little pot of butter upon the stool and come and lie down with me. Little Red Riding Hood went into the bed, where, being greatly amazed to see how her grandmother looked in her nightclothes, she said to her, Grandmama, what great arms you've got. That is the better to hug thee, my dear. Grandmama, what great legs you have got. That is to run the better, my child. Grandmama, what great ears you have got! That is the better to hear you, my child. Grandmama, 
What great eyes you have got! It is to see the better, my child. Grandmama, what great teeth you have got! That is to eat thee up! And saying these words, this wicked wolf fell upon Little Red Riding Hood and ate her all up. Oh, scary. Those big bad wolves are not something to be trifled with, especially if you're on the way to Grandma's house. Well, that's it for this month. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you find time to not only enjoy Halloween, but that you'll also find time to drop by the library and let us help you find your next great adventure. I'm Karen Filipkowski, the head librarian at the Madawaska Valley Public Library. And along with James DeFure, Julia Beggs, and Rob Filipkowski, we'd all like to wish you a happy Halloween and a gripping good read.